0: Of partners in ministry here at Hillcrest. Uh, in other, partners in ministry is basically a term we use to identify that we've gotten in the game with certain, um, certain ministries that we really uh, believe in and certain ministry partners. And so some of them are local, uh, like obvious ones, you know, Joe's Place or Kettleston Camp. Some of them are uh, national uh, within Canada and some of them are to the farthest corners of the world. And uh, today we have one of our ministry partners is here with us and hasn't been here with us for a little while, and we're really excited uh, to have uh, Barrett Croft with us. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about what uh, Barrett and Bridget and their family uh, have done in the past, So, for those of you who don't know them. So a few years back, probably as, as recently as five, six years ago, uh, Barrett was the chaplain for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, felt God's call along the way to uh, move to British Columbia to serve as the main hockey coach for the men's hockey team at Trinity Western University. Uh, So when he was chaplain of the Rough Riders, he attended Hillcrest, and uh, then now in BC, they've got a a whole new um, life and ministry that God is using out there, so they've been out there four years. Barrett's been with Athletes in Action, uh, which is a Christian ministry to athletes for over 15 years, I think now. And uh, I think I've known them probably all the way back since the early 90s, so even more time than that, where I've seen um, both Barrett and Bridget's life and ministry. And just let me tell you, it's easy to commend them to you, very easy. Um, they, God has given them uh, a heart to see people one to Christ, and especially in the area of athletics, and they've seen lots of people come to Christ through the years. And I always get excited when they come to share because uh, they are getting knee deep in the nitty gritty world of athletes and their world. And and uh, and there's usually always something faith inspiring for me when they come to share. So, anyhow, I won't say too much more. But uh, I have I have my highest recommendation for Barrett as he comes to speak and shares. So let's give him a great big moose jaw welcome.
1: Welcome, and uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege to uh, to be here this morning. And I I got to walk up here because I I grabbed the wrong sheet. I grabbed the (laughs) get my notes. Uh, As I'm walking back here, how many went to the Rough Rider game yesterday in that new stadium? (laughs) It's uh, it's interesting to note that. And I think last time I spoke here, I actually made the comment. So. Sorry if the joke seems old, but I can always tell them I'm in a church, because at a sporting event, these seats are the ones that people pay the most money for at the right front, and at a church, the people at the back pay the most for those seats there. So, um, I didn't get a chance to be at the game yesterday. I was traveling across the country. I left Ottawa uh, and timed it so I could be here with you guys this morning uh, as I drive uh, back to BC, and I'll, I'll share some reasons as to, to why that happened. But yes, uh, as Pastor Steve mentioned, we uh, this used to be our home church deep down. Uh, Saskatchewan is still home and that makes uh, this our home church deep down, uh, even though we attend Living Waters in Fort Langley. And uh, that's where we are um, nurtured and have our, our church family there. We, we still love and appreciate you guys. We're not only for uh, the fact that you support our ministry, but uh, we know that you guys are praying with us, and there's lots of uh, life-changing stories that you guys have helped shape uh, in our lives and with our kids over the years, including Kettleson Camp and, and how that has impacted uh, our, our kids and stuff like that. So, I just I want to say thank you for allowing me to share with you this morning, but also for the investment that you've had in our ministry and continue to do that. It's, it doesn't go um, unnoticed. We're extremely thankful for it. And as uh, as pastor steve was telling me this morning um we uh, your your monthly prayer group uh, gathers and uh and and we we can't do what we're doing and the sh- the stories i'm going to share with you this morning can't happen without faithful individuals being on their knees interceding for us and uh and tearing down a lot of those strongholds and allowing us to go in and preach the gospel so i really want to say thank you for that from the bottom of our heart i'm not sure uh when all day every day let me read the the scripture that uh that's sort of my life mission statement um when all day every day is just it, it's based off the scripture Matthew five fourteen to 16 now let me read that for you uh you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives life to everyone in the house In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all those to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. And uh, for us, when we continue to go and do ministry to the world of sports, um, we want to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. We want to make sure that we are allowing uh, the gospel to shape and change lives the same way it shaped and changed my life. Um, So if we just, uh, I don't have a a clicker here, so I'm going to trust the young man at the back there. Uh, to flip through. There's uh, Bridget and myself. That was a few months ago in China, where we had a hockey team that we took over there. Uh, and hockey is booming in China. Uh, they're building a hundred new rinks in the next two years, and with the anticipation of ten thousand new hockey players uh, coming online to fill those uh, hockey rinks. And you'll love the this other small piece of news is that beside those hundred hockey rinks, they're building a hundred curling rinks. <laughs> Uh, the, the Chinese are hosting the Winter Olympics in six years and they want to win in hockey and curling, so they're, they're going to go about it that way. Uh, but this is Bridget and I uh, just dancing with a bunch of the other Chinese people in the middle of the courtyard, um, something they just do randomly, um, just, so we joined in. Uh, Bridget and I were celebrating our 26th anniversary uh, this year, this summer, and uh, 25 years in ministry. So as Steve said, 15 years with Athletes in Action and 10 prior to that with Hockey Ministries International. So for 25 years, uh, we have been what we would define as a sport missionary, traveling the world uh, and using the, the, the sport, multiple different sports, cycling, hockey, and football in particular, uh, to be a light in those sports to tell them about Jesus. So that's kind of our stepping stones. The next picture uh, would be Jalen, the guy on the left, with the uh, famous mustache he's in his going into his fourth year of school at Trinity Western University he's in international studies he was in business but struggled with the math so he decided I'm going to go into the international part because uh, to speak different languages and have an impact around the world I don't necessarily need statistics I just need to tell people about Jesus uh, and so he's he's studying uh, at Trinity Western the next slide should be if I ordered this properly the crashed and banged guy on the left is Joshua, our middle son, and he's a son of ours that was impacted by Kettleston as he was struggling through his teenage years. It was Kettleston camp that was able to uh, sort of be a a planting uh, of his faith flag at Kettleston, and he's now a professional cyclist and just finished uh, competing out east in Quebec in one of the hardest stage races in North America and uh, happened to crash at about 80 kilometers an hour on a downhill descent going into a corner. So that's why his face is all ripped up and his arms are all bandaged. But uh, I'll share some stories about him as I continue on. The next picture should be Jacob and he just finished grade 11 and the day he finished grade 11 he started work at the grocery store across the street from us so that's why he's got the Canada 150 because he gets to be a stock boy for the summer. And uh, lots of exciting things going on in his life and share some of that as well. So I think if we now just roll into, there's some random pictures I wanted to show you uh, before I jump into just a a quick challenge. Uh, This is in China. When we played in China, uh, we, we played at the Emperor's Palace. It was an outdoor arena on a frozen lake at the Emperor's Palace. And uh, we had teams and games against uh, the Russians, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Mongolians um, and some Finnish teams. So they all gathered uh, north of Beijing and, uh, and that was one of our players standing in the midst of them during the opening ceremonies. Next slide. Uh, so you can see the Emperor's Palace stuff is on the right there and that's us walking from the hotel in full gear because there's no change rooms in the middle of the lake so you had to change just like you're back in Saskatchewan on a frozen pond and so next slide got to represent even in China I made sure there was no like guards with like rifles in a tower that were going to shoot me for holding up some propaganda flag so I, I took cautious steps to uh, to display the rider nation over there but uh we got that out and next slide uh a bit of boldness, in uh, the middle of the, all the local government officials were there at our ceremony before we played our first game against the Finns. Uh, our players took a knee around the net and uh, had a word of prayer and uh, just asked God to bless our time and allow us to be a light in the midst of uh, the darkness that is over there. Next slide. <laughs> Not every day you see a goalie dressed up on the great wall. <laughs> So that's the the Great Wall of China, and I'm pretty sure that's probably the only time someone's been in full hockey gear standing on the Great Wall. Um, But that's that's our goalie, Silas, and I've got a life-change story that I'll tell you about him, and how he is now pursuing, as he graduates, he's pursuing a professional career in Switzerland in the top pro league over there, uh, and he's doing it uh, to be a light in the darkness in the pro hockey world over there. Next slide. This is at a church. Yes, they do have churches in China, and they're not all underground. Uh, this church was just near the, uh, the Emperor's Palace, and we had to get permission from the local church police in order to attend the church. And then they had three chaperones that chaperoned our team to the service, and uh, we got up and sang Amazing Grace and had a few of our players just share a few words um, but then afterwards, the, the pastor and the local church police invite us back uh, because not only did they see um, us, you know, being a light and something different, but it goes back to Chinese government wanting to do well at the Winter Olympics in six years and then building 100 new rinks and spending millions and millions of dollars to do that and then seeing the Canadian hockey players and coaches show up and say, wow, these guys are doing something different, and they've invited us. I've had about six job offers Uh, in the last six months to go over there and help facilitate some of that growth. And we've had to back off a little bit because there's too many good things happening here that we feel God's calling us to, but we've offered to go back two or three times a year and help facilitate that, arranging and organizing the chaos that might be when you build 100 new rinks and add 10,000 new hockey players, um, allowing us to come in there and help organize that so that we can do it for the right reasons and be a light in the kingdom-building process in China. And so that's... uh, yeah, next slide. Uh, there's Bridget and Jacob. Jake, our, our media person uh, that was to go on the trip, um, felt really sick uh, two weeks before the trip. And so we expedited a process uh, for Jacob to get a visa. And Jacob was our media and uh, social media camera film guy on the trip. So it was, it was really exciting to have him along and let him see some, uh, some culture firsthand in ministry. Next slide. Uh, Just another picture um, outside after it was against the Russian team, and keep slide next one. Uh, This is Jarrett Fontaine. Uh, He used to play in the Western Hockey League for the Prince George Cougars, so he would have played here against the Warriors. And I've got an amazing story I want to share with you in a moment. A couple more slides first, though. Uh, That was our our team uh, in the finals Uh, this year. We've been to the finals three of the last four years. And uh, this year, uh, hurts to say it. So, like when I was with the Rough Riders, we lost the game, the Thirteenth Man game in Edmonton. Like the field goal. Sorry to bring that up for you guys, but if I'm gonna bring my story up, I gotta dig that one up. But uh, we lost in Game Three of the League Finals with 7.2 seconds left on the clock. Just daggers. It, it hurt, but. Um, God's good, and uh, there's there's things going on greater than winning a championship. The championship will come, but uh, next slide. Lots of great fan support. One more slide. Uh, sorry, keep, keep going. Uh, this is a clip from the room. We got, you know... Uh, we're trying to make sure that guys, wherever they're doing, that their motivation stays, that they're, they're doing things for Christ, that they're performing for him, that uh, they're allowing him to, to impact their lives. So we got these scriptures sp- spread around the room and uh, just continue on. Uh, the game was televised uh, out, I forget the Shaw cable or whatever, and they continue to play it over and over. It's such a great game. The guy that scored the goal, uh, to beat us with 7.2 seconds left on the clock. He used to play for the Montreal Canadiens two years ago, uh, Patrick Holland. And so um, it's really good hockey. I'd, in fact, I would say it's in the lower mainland, and this isn't a slam against the Canucks, We're our league is the best hockey in, in Western Canada. Like, it's unbelievable uh, the caliber of play that, uh, that we're able to uh, have and the players that we're recruiting. Um, Life-change story uh, with this gentleman as well. So I think that might be the last picture but you know they say a picture is worth a thousand words so now I can refer back to some of these pictures as I share some of these stories with you um go to the next slide and and these are kind of the points that I want to talk to you through and just leave a challenge based off that verse of Matthew 5:14 to 16 and and the fact of when 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 there's darkness and you you light a light even if it's just a little light you know over here and if it is sort of you're trying to keep it hidden like it's going to light up the room but uh, how much more impact can you have when uh, you put it on when it's on the hill or when you put it on its lamp stand and it's used for the right reasons it's not something that we're shameful of it's not something that we're embarrassed about and and we keep our faith tucked away and and not uh, tell people about it or show them about it we are excited about it wherever we go whether we're Uh, on a pond in the middle of China or whether we're losing a game with seven seconds left. Uh, Everything that we do um, in our ministry, we have this mindset of win all day every day, that we're doing things with excellence. And when we do things with excellence, it's because we want to honor God and the gifts and abilities he's given us. And in doing that, we're being a light for him and we're telling people about Jesus. So, uh, for example, Josh, in his cycling world, cycling world is just as dark as the, the hockey world. And uh, you race, like this last, um, the, the Tour de uh, Beauce that he was competing in, it's six stages uh, covering, uh, like, an, on average, 180 kilometers a day, averaging about 45 kilometers an hour. So doing about 180 uh, kilometers in just under four, or just over four hours' time. Um, and, the, the, like, there's been several deaths this year um, that have taken place in races that we've been competing in um it's like every time they throw a leg over a bike it's life and death and athletes in action has got three full-time staff that are dedicated to north american bike racing uh, to the road bike scene and joshua is one of that we know of he's about one of a dozen uh cyclists that are in the pro world that uh, are there for like josh just wants to let his light shine on his bike and how that comes to fruition is when they're at bike races and after the bike race and they sit around and they're having food and they're eating their pasta to load up for the next day and you're sitting around the table, the conversation isn't necessary because you don't want to sit there and talk about, oh, that crash was awful or uh, that race was really hard or when we had to climb up Mount Megantic and it took us, you know, it's a 20-kilometer climb at 10% grade, how hard it was. It's life stuff. They're sitting around the table and they're wondering, what, like, what are you going to do after bike racing? You know, what, what kind of education you have? What job do you have? What's your girlfriend doing? What's your career plans? And as they sit around those tables, I, ha- I get to take a back seat and watch Joshua and his teammate that was in that other picture with him, Connor, who are both love Jesus, uh, talk to their teammates about spiritual things. And when, you're, when, you, when you have that, if I, if I crash my bike, I could die as your job, there's a lot of pressure afterwards to make sure life is balanced. And so Joshua and Connor make sure that they do that on a regular basis. Even when we have team meetings, and I, I sit down, and I challenge the team on, um, you know, that you should make sure that you are a trustworthy person and that you're someone that other teams want to recruit and sign and whatnot. Um, the questions always steer back to a faith conversation. These are young men under the age of 23, and as much as the world around them tells them that they should just go chase wine women song and that God doesn't exist and everything else, these men when the rubber hits the road they're asking their teammates about their spiritual journey and to me that's so exciting to see in the sport of cycling that josh and connor are part of uh, that taking place Uh, in order to be a light uh, the next step down then is it's okay to be different and i used to i'm not used to i still struggle with it especially like uh and and this is a a story that I'll, I'll connect back to with the Rough Riders. When I was with the Rough Riders, um, we didn't have the fancy new stadium that they do now. Um, the The management group at that time saw me as, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice, I, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, so um, they, as not just a distraction, but it was like oh, they tolerated me. That's the word I'll use. They tolerated me being there as a chaplain and working with the players. They didn't value it as something that could really benefit uh, the team, uh, but they, the players wanted it, so the management tolerated me. And so there would be parts of, you know, I'd, I'd struggle. As I'm making the commute into Regina, I'd be like, well, you know, I've got to sort of tiptoe around management because I don't want to upset them, and they, they take away, you know, rights and privileges from me or whatever the case may be. Um, so there'd just be times where, it'd be like, okay, guys, instead of meeting in the locker room, let's, you know, we'll go over to so-and-so's house, or we'll go, you know, to a restaurant that we know is not very busy and, and sort of keep, keep things quiet and on the down low. And uh, there'd be that struggle to just, you know, don't be excited about it, don't necessarily share that about it. But as you continue to grow in your faith and sharpen that with each other, the players would take a stand, like, no, man, like, we're going to do Bible study in the locker room. And we're, before the game, we're going to go in the shower, and we're going to pray in the shower. And when we go on the field, we're going to pray on the field. And after the game, we're going to go in the middle of the field, and we're going to pray. And, and it's different. You don't see that in hockey. You don't see that in other sports where athletes take that part of their life and their faith serious. And so it's super exciting that uh, Jared Lacoste, who's now the team chaplain, uh, had a great visit with him about a month ago as they're getting ready to move into the stadium. And, and management... With, with the Rough Riders um, has they, they now, they, they've taken the, the, the blinders off and they see the value of a chaplain and to the point where when, when Jared shows up at the beginning of the season uh, he gets the same treatment as though he were the head coach like he, he flies with the team he travels with the team he does ministry anywhere he wants with them and uh, that's something that is really exciting that it's not a matter of you got to keep it under a lamp you know, at the bottom of the valley, don't let anyone see that. It's the Rough Rider organization now values the importance, and it's not a matter of tolerating. They just say this is an important part for our players. So, from my side, on the hockey side, at Trinity Western University, and at Trinity Western University, we have got uh, a, a partnership with Athletes in Action. So, two thirds of my time is coaching, the other third of my time is doing other ministry stuff with Athletes in Action. And the hockey coach, me, <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the volleyball coach and the two soccer coaches are also in that same situation where two-thirds of their time is coaching sports and uh, the other third is with Athletes in Action. We're a school of 4,000 students based in Langley, B.C. It's the largest private Christian uh, school in Canada. Uh, we're the ones that fought to the Supreme Court uh, on the teachers thing about 20 years ago, stating that we could have teachers, and we're the ones right now at the Supreme Court Uh, Fighting to have a law program, and if you've watched anything on there, you can be praying about that, because that is something that can shape and form our religious freedoms forever moving forward. And it's Trinity Western University that is standing firm on that. We're not ashamed to be different. We're not ashamed to say this is something that's important, and and we're going to fight for it all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, But uh, enrollment is busting at the seams. They're building new dorms to accommodate growth and um and the sports teams have won a national championship uh for the last 15 years in a row in one sport or another and i don't say that to be braggadocious i say that because when you do things for the right reasons and you do it to honor god and as a way to be a light in the sporting world the byproduct is winning and so whether it's a volleyball winning national championships or us winning with or losing with 7.2 seconds left those are byproducts of success because we're doing things the right way. When I took over the program, when I was driving home from an outreach here in Saskatchewan with Rough Riders, I had Keith Sholigan with me, and uh, I told him about the calling that we felt, and he convinced me through a missed punch to my head as we were driving down the highway that I should take the job out in Trinity. Um, when, we, when we got to Trinity, I didn't realize how bad it was for the hockey program. I found out in hindsight that uh, if, if things didn't go well in that first year, the hockey program was going to be punted. It would be third and long for the hockey team. We didn't know that at the time. We just went in and said, okay, we're going to do things differently. We're going to do things and be a light for the kingdom in the hockey world here in BC. We, we started to recruit with the right purpose and intentionality, bringing in the right players with the right mindset that they want to continue their hockey careers afterwards and go on to pro hockey. And we used to be able to only pick up the phone and talk to junior B players. And just sort of beg and grovel, okay, well you play hockey, you can come play for us because we need an extra guy. Uh, This year, we graduated our first class, graduated 10 guys. Um, They're an amazing group of men who have had their lives changed. And the group of athletes now that we're starting to bring in are guys that have all played junior A or higher. So we've got like eight Western Hockey League guys on our roster. The rest are junior A players. A couple of guys from Europe that have played pro and they're coming to play for us. Um, Jarrett Fontaine being one of them. Uh, Fonzie is his nickname and uh, he had a a grotesque injury in China where a a skate stepped on him and uh, it was like a 30 stitch uh, cut on his leg and that began I don't know why sometimes we've got to go through those hardships but that began a spiritual journey for Fonzie Uh, how he saw his team and everyone rally around him and pray for him Uh, when we got back from China um, his teammates kept coming around him. Uh, the players come to our house every week for Bible study. Bridget cooks up this big, huge batch of food, and that's probably what draws them, but the Bible study keeps them around. And, uh, and Fonzie kept coming out to Bible study after the China trip. And uh, about a month into that, he made a decision that he wanted to follow Jesus. And he had this tough decision to make because he had a girlfriend at the time. And uh, he had a tough decision to make to be, it's okay to be different. And uh, as the players, the, the Bible study is not led by me. In fact, once the food is on the table, Bridget and I, we use that time, or go and we go for a walk or a hike and trust the house to 15 hungry hockey players to eat and do the Bible study and clean up. And they, they, it's player-led. They pick the topics. A lot of times it's things that they're struggling with. So whether it's addictions or pornography or... Um, girlfriends or parental issues or maybe, you know, their their dog died or whatever it is, that it's that player-led. And uh, the the discussion was, uh, premarital sex, is it an okay thing? And they, they were diving into that for a three-week period. And at the end of it, uh, Fonzie had made a decision to follow Jesus and have the conversation with his girlfriend that they can no longer have sex. And uh, the girlfriend said, what do you mean? Like, the That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And Fonzie said, well, that's the way it is. And she said, well, see you later. We're no longer an item. And Fonzie said, that's fine with me. I've got someone that's greater. And uh, he is now, he's given up his summer uh, job uh, out there that he had so that he can go back to Humboldt, his hometown, and witness to his buddies that he grew up with and take a job, like a minimum wage job, so he can be at home, witness to his father, and uh, witness to his teammates at home because he's daring to be different in the world that he is brought up in that says that those kind of things are okay. Um, so it takes all kinds, I guess is what I'm saying. Not like it, It's just not Pastor Steve or Kurt or the worship team or myself that have to have the light and hold it up here or get courage enough to go into the community and hold her, you know, up on a hill or on a lampstand. It's every one of us. If you have Jesus in your life, he is calling you to be a light and not to be ashamed that you might be different, that you might be the only person at your workplace, that you might be the only person at your slow pitch team, that you might be the only person at your curling bond spiel. You need to be a light for him and not be ashamed of it. We are in a hungry time. People want to know. They the, 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 the prayer in schools, the, the scripture reading in schools, in, in the news, everything is always against us, and it's because we just take a step back. We're like, okay, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't be bold about Jesus, but we need to be. We need to be a generation that takes a stand and says, no, this is who impacted our lives, and we need to go and do the same thing. So that's my the second point I want to encourage us with. The next one is really tough, because here's the delicate line that you have to balance is, um, my statement is, it's not okay to not be excellent. And what I mean by that is, some people think that they've got to be perfect for Jesus. That I've got to check off all the boxes and do all the right things in order for Jesus to forgive me or love me. And that's not it at all. He, he's forgiven you. He's, he's set you free. He's given you hope and the, gen- like in, in the freedom to live boldly for him. But what happens is that, um, as we sort of keep Jesus quiet and whatnot, Uh, because we're afraid that people are going to get upset or we're not going to get the right job or promotion or we're not going to, you know, sell enough widgets or whatever it's going to be. We just sort of keep it hidden. As we do that, uh, mediocrity comes into play. And I'm telling you, I see it with athletes all the time that they're okay with mediocrity. That they're okay with, oh, this workout's going to be good enough. And instead of doing three reps, they do two or instead of going running for five miles, they run for four, or whatever it is. And that creeps into their classroom setting. Oh, like, C's get degrees, they tell me all the time. And as, as soon as he speaks that to me, C's get degrees, I get a tutor form, I make sure that the academic advisor's there because I don't accept C's get degrees. This year, we had ten guys on the academic honor roll, on our hockey team. When I took over the program, and they were ready to punt it, guys could barely pass. And now we've got this excellence in our mindset of our players that we will not accept mediocrity. And that's why I keep drilling it through into their heads. Win all day, every day. Whether you're in the classroom, whether you're dating your girlfriend, or whether you're going to church and telling other people about Jesus, you need to do it with excellence. And don't be ashamed about that. That everything you do has to be with excellence. Not perfect, because we can't attain that. That's not what I'm asking us to be doing here this morning. I'm saying just be excellent. Don't be content with, ah, okay, I'll just go along with it. Because nobody, if, if the Rough Riders are mediocre all the year, are you guys going to be happy with that? No. If, if the Oilers have a bad draft or trade some guys that are mediocre, like, you know, Eberly, they say, well, we're going to trade Jordan Eberly because he was mediocre in the playoffs. Like, the, the world around us, the world outside of the church, won't put up with mediocrity. So why do we within the church? We need to say, this is not acceptable. We need to be excellent at all we do. So I love coming here because I see how you guys do your mega sports camps and you guys are doing awesome with it and you're impacting the community using sports. That gets my juices going, obviously. And I'm just saying, keep doing it with excellence. If you're wondering what to do for the summer, get out there and volunteer and help those kids because that 10-year-old kid who comes to your sport camp might be the next Moose Jaw Warrior player. He might be the next Moose Miller player. He might not... Uh, you know, he might get a scholarship and be a teacher after he goes through the whole process, and he's going to teach your kids or your grandkids. But you being excellent this summer at a mega church sports camp is going to make a difference. And not just, oh, well, you know what? We've been doing it for 15 years, and it's over there, and it's something that's really good, and there's about four people that do it. And I, You need to be excellent. You need to go over there and help them. You need to give up. Okay, I can give up my week of holidays to do that. I think that might be something that you're giving of your first fruits instead of... Ah, eh, whatever, they're, they're doing things over there. Well, I'll give my $100 to support a kid. Maybe they don't need your $100. Maybe they need you to step across and say, I will come and volunteer for the mega sports camp. To me, that's a step of excellence. That's you saying, I'm not willing to let these kids not hear about Jesus in their sport at a young age. That's the difference that you guys can make. Uh, so my point on that as a rescue shop uh, I'm probably blown away over my time, I'm sorry. Uh, Rescue shop. Uh, we've got a new athletic director at Trinity Western. And he, what I'm preaching to you right now about the win all day every day and being excellent and getting out of the community and stuff, he lives it as well to the point where he, he, he came from the education world and he understands that teachers get, uh, I don't know how many days, but that, that the teachers get your personal development days where you get a day off and you go to a conference And in BC, anyhow, the the conferences are scattered. Like there's, you know, a group over there and whatever. So he said, we're going to have Trinity Western, Spartan Athletics, is going to have an excellent conference, and we're going to put it on. We've got the Langley Event Center, one of the best sporting facilities in Canada, and we're inviting every teacher that uh, is in the lower mainland and across BC, and we're going to teach them how to perform with excellence and how to... Teach skills at a young age, and how to teach culture, and how to develop character, and how to develop leaders. And because we're winning at it, we're being successful with it. So let's get out into the community. And the response rate has been through the roof. It's going to be on October 20th. If you could be praying about it, the session that I've been invited—I've been at, invited to speak at two sessions. One is changing culture because we've changed culture. We've gone from a hockey team that was just going to be punted to the curb to now. Uh, we've been given permission to uh, put our application into the CIS, and that's not an easy task. And we've gone from playing against junior B teams in exhibition to going down to the states and playing against Wisconsin and losing one nothing to them, and going down and playing other Division one schools and making a, a huge change in the culture of our classroom, or sorry, of our hockey team. That's what's exciting that I'm going to be teaching about changing culture. But the other one that I'm really excited about, And it comes back to, when Jeff asked me to do it, it was one of those fear and trepidation because in order to change culture, I had to do something. We had to set up a rescue shop outside the gates of hockey hell. And that's a, a statement that I use, and that's actually the title of the workshop. A rescue shop set up outside the gates of hockey hell. Because in the world of hockey, just as in cycling and football, athletes get beat up. The poor kicker last night, for example... You don't think he's having a rough day today, two weeks in a row? Everyone just thinks, well, he's a mediocre kicker, but he's still a living, breathing human being that God created. And he needs some love, and he needs someone to come around and put the arm around him and say, it's going to be okay. And the world of hockey and the world of sports has that, the athletes beat up over and over and over again. And they quit because they don't want to be in that anymore. They don't want to be in that environment anymore. And I come along and I pick up the phone. And I say, and you guys will know this name, Brandon Potomac, who played here for the Moose Jaw Warriors, who was absolutely, he was done with hockey. Hockey hell had beat him and defeated him. He walked away from the game. And I picked up the phone three months ago, and I said, Brandon, we need you. More than anything else, you need us. And I brought him in toured him around, shared the vision with him, and he's going to be suiting up for us this year as a training Western Spartan because he realizes that we do hockey differently, we do it for the right reasons, and it's what he wants to be a part of, that that has brought purpose and meaning to his hockey career. And I can just sit here and list off player after player after player who we have brought in last year or the year before or this coming year when we had to bring in 10 new recruits to replace the 10 that were graduating. They all say the same thing. You guys are doing something different. I want to be a part of it. And that's what's exciting for us. It's we're, we're building trust by being excellent in the hockey world, and we're excited to see the changes that will continue to happen in these athletes' lives. Uh, and then the last point is that as you, as you step through there, and as you're light, and as you choose to do that because you know you're going to be different and you're not afraid of that. Um, and you're, and you're going to do things with excellence and, and th- whatnot, you still need to be prepared. And that's part of the part of being excellent. And, and you're coming in, and because here's what's going to happen. I, I, I drove 3,400 kilometers in the last 48 hours. Uh, I've seen a lot of bugs hit my windshield coming through northern Ontario. Uh, and, and I got out, and, and the only way we could get across northern Ontario was we had extra jerry cans, because everything's closed at night, and so we had two jerry cans to fill the gas up. And as soon as I got out, I wasn't smart enough to shut the headlights off. And as I got out, I was swarmed by mosquitoes and almost carried away. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, when when you're in a vehicle, or when you're out on the porch at night and the light is on, people are drawn to the light. Or not people, sorry. Well, sometimes if, if you're looking for gas and you, you run out, and farmers yell, you know that one. Um, but bugs are drawn to that light. And in the same way, as you... Leave here today and as you say, you know what, I'm going to give some time at, at Mega Sport Camp or I'm going to give some time at Kettleston or I'm going to do something different this summer instead of just taking it all for me and my family, we're going to invest into to something like that. As you take those steps and as you get involved into being a, a light and you're not ashamed to do it, uh, here's, a, here's a, a promise that I give you, is that people will be drawn to you and they will begin to ask you what's different about you. There's something different. You're joyful. The world around us is horrible, and the workplace sucks, but you always come to work happy and joyful. What's different about you? Or you're playing slow pitch, and, you know, uh, someone gets a phone call on there that, you know, his wife has just left him, and he's sitting there weeping on the bench, and you can go put an arm around him, and he says, you know, how, what should I be doing? You have to be prepared with the response of Jesus Christ will help and change their lives. It can't be, well, you know, there's this, you know, you can go and get this book or that book or this tape series or whatever. It's Jesus Christ that will make the change in their lives and that will give them hope. And it won't make their life easy and free of, you know, pain and suffering. There's still going to be that, but Jesus will come in and make the difference for them. I want to share the last story here because it sort of ties it back into Josh at the very beginning there. We had a situation on this road trip as we're competing and racing uh, where one of his teammates... After we had this talk, and as Josh talked about his journey um, and, and whatnot, uh, it was, you know, as a cyclist, it was 9 o'clock, so we had to end the meeting uh, so they could go to bed because they had to get up the next day and ride another 180 kilometers. Uh, the one athlete come over, and he starts walking towards Josh and me. And you, you know when something's up, when someone's bottom chin is quivering. And uh, he plopped down and began to weep at the table and was asking, I don't get it. I'm, I'm like one of the top cyclists in the country. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've performed the areas that I need to perform, uh, but I just I feel empty and alone. So I could have, as the coach, said, well, you know, it's uh, 9 o'clock, and we'll have this conversation tomorrow because you need to get up and ride your bike in the morning. Or I could have said, well, no, duh, we've been telling you this for the last four months. Like, you should have figured it out on your own. Or I could have had a plethora of other answers for him. But at that moment, I was like, this young man, 21-year-old athlete, is drawn to the light and needs some care and attention at this moment. And over the next hour and a half, walked through the four spiritual laws with him and explained to him for the first time in his life, Grew up here in Canada, supposedly a Christian nation, and he had never heard that Jesus was the the answer. He knows about Christmas, knew about Easter, but he didn't understand what those were all about. And that's the generation that your grandkids are growing up in, that's the workplace that you're currently in, and that's the the coffee roll conversations that you have. Most of those people that you're trying to be a light to, they don't know the simple basic truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them to set them free from all the baggage that they're carrying around. And if they would just trust in him, they would be able to walk in freedom each day. And that's now your job. Each and every one of you. You don't have to be the coach, the head coach of the Trinity Western Spartans. You don't have to be even a great volunteer at Mega Sport Camp. You just have to have air in your lungs and a heart for Jesus to be a light for the people around you. And that's my challenge to us this morning. And it's it's for me as well, because so many times it can get lackadaisical and it can be like, Well, you know, just I'm so tiring after all this driving or after all the racing or after losing seven seconds on the clock or whatever that you just like, maybe I can't win. Maybe it's just impossible to win with a bunch of young men who are chasing after God. Maybe it's just not the right thing for us. But then you you sit down and you see young Fonzie come in and make that decision in his life. You see Alex make that decision in his life. And you see the guy that was bandaged up in that one pitcher who at the end of the game, he literally couldn't move because he had a dislocated shoulder, he had a broken nose, and he's getting his hip operated on this summer. But he played through with pain because he wanted to honor God with his gifts and abilities. And you see those men come up and they're like, Man, I just want to grow in my faith. What can we be doing this next year, this next hockey season, to be a light back into our community? How can we be a light to those other teammates that we're playing against or other players that we're playing against? They're just, they vibrate. They, they give me, they inspire me. They got these ideas that they just jump out and are like, Okay, sure, let's go and do that. But it starts with just one simple fact. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, be a light on a hill, on the candle stand. Don't be ashamed of it and tuck it under here and, and say, okay, I got Jesus over here. You got to take Jesus and put him on the throne. And when you do that, things change. And and I, I love the opportunity to do that. Like I said, we've been doing it for 25 years, and I hope I've got another 25 years in me to do it. I appreciate your prayers because it's not easy. It's hard getting through to these guys. It obviously takes a lot of prayer. It takes finances. It takes people encouraging us. And so, when you come through, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and and say, "Hey, let's go for a coffee," uh, because it it's it's tough sledding out there. But it's also something I want to encourage you guys to make sure you're doing on a regular basis in your world to be the light for the Jesus Christ uh, that that will make a difference in those around you. So, thank you for your time. Much appreciated, Pastor Steve, for allowing me to come and speak and be way over time. Um, But I'm I'm very thankful for it, so.
0: Well, maybe you haven't had a halftime pep talk for a while. But I think we need it, don't we? We need it, right? There is a slippage that happens in our lives where we tend towards mediocrity, towards hiding our light. We need to... uh, resolve in our hearts uh, to put what we've heard today into practice, right? To where how can we shine our light in the sphere of influence that we've been given? How can we do things well, right? When I like that. When all day every day. When all day every day. But that's got so many applications for so many areas of our lives. So the, today uh, you you know the practicality hopefully of what you need to do. Calendar it. Uh so that you actually follow through. I encourage you with that. and uh, Or maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody about this very topic uh, that's going to be helpful towards getting towards those, those right results. Um, the Lord's got great things. He wants to use us. I love the way you said it. If we've got breath in our body and a heart for the Lord, it's amazing what he can do with those things offered to him. So our worship team is going to lead us in a song here at the end, but it is the end of our service now, so if you do want prayer we always have people who are eager to pray with you and uh, that includes some pastors and prayer teams that will be up here at the front so let's stand together and I'm going to sort of officially close in prayer and then we'll worship together and prayer people will be available as well and if you want to catch Barrett afterwards to talk about what he's talked about this morning or some of the things that he's involved in he's available here too, need more than be more than willing to chat with you about what he's doing Lord, thank you for your call. You said, come follow me. You'll you'll make us fishers of men. And so, Lord, we trust that that is exactly what you promised, that you would do the transformation in our hearts uh, to make us capable fishermen. Lord, thank you for the uh, men and women that you are calling to yourself all across this great land. And I thank you that uh, um, you are still uh, bringing salvation to their hearts. You're still... uh, You're still showing them the emptiness without you. You're still making it very clear that you can fill that emptiness. And so, Lord, I I thank you for uh, the word that we've heard today. We ask for deep roots to that word, that it would sink in deep, and that it would bear much fruit in your name. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you for coming. You're welcome to stay and worship with us.